The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? Before we get this party started tonight, I have uh, my friends in the studio, but we were talking about trucks. Ford Raptor is good, but have you seen the new Ram? The new Ram smokes it the yeah, Ford. It's, it's you like, you like that Ram. Name. That's my that's my truck. The Ram. the Ram. I don't even like Rams. They're Look dope. at the new. I don't even know what it's called, but they saw the Raptor, the Ford Raptor, the and they and they came up with a new yeah. Ram that's like insane. Yeah, insanity. If it had wings, it would fly. It's awesome. Yeah, I like I like the. Uh, I mean, if I mean, those are like the ultimate roosted out, you know, like off road right? vehicles. They're like yeah, they're a lot. House. They're like yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm, I like Chevy personally, but um, but if you want to get something gnarly, Christina like that Raptor, not you know, the new Ram is just. Insane. Do we have sponsorship with anyone? So I'm plugging Ram right now. Uh, can we get a sponsorship? <laughs> we want to do a truck tour. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, hey, so um, tonight we have uh, Sean McKinnon studio. Christina Bordreau, that got it right that time. Yes. You finally got it right. And you know, right? the day that I get married, Ryan, my last name will change, and it's only then that you will get it right. <laughs> and then, oh, great. Uh, and then Scott Salamet. So a lot of you guys have heard us on uh, the show um, taking a bunch of questions. So we did a social post, and we said fire in the questions, and we literally got pages of questions. So if we can get through all these today, this show will be fiery. But we're going to take as many as we can and uh, break them down simply for you guys, but let's just get into it, man. Let's just let's just do, do this. Um, all right. So all the questions, and if you guys want to send us questions, please feel free to go to our uh, whosoever's uh, social media, the whosoever social media, uh, or uh, Ryan Dash uh, Ryan Reese social media, and send them, and we will add them to the list, and we will answer anything that you send in. So check it out. So it's the first question we have in the pipeline is. How do you talk to a 12-year-old about the demonic nature of some secular musicians and artists mm. or sexually music and artists? Mm. So she's clearly asking or he is clearly asking that there is music out there and there are artists out there that are pushing a demonic um, agenda. Yeah. Who wants to take it? Well, we both have kids that are like that age bracket, right? Mm -hmm. 12, 13. And... Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of music out there. There's some good music, too. Like, there's some very creative artists out there. Um, but there are ones that definitely have a spin towards demonic stuff. I think sometimes musicians, they don't even recognize, realize that they are going down the flow of the enemy, right? Yeah. It, you're just like us. We would never say, like, we were following after the enemy, Satan, but our lifestyles kind of did that as well. I think that the main thing is just kind of communicate with your chi your kids the power of music. We all understand mm -hmm. that, right? There's just songs that I know to this day from back in the day that I could rattle off lyrics. And in the lyric and the content, like, there is things that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in your mind. It's going to be in your heart, man. So you got to really be wise what goes into your mind. I think the, the dangers that sometimes parents can do, especially in the church, is um, put this form of legalism on them. Everything's demonic. Don't listen e to anything. Every, everything's demonic. <laughs> and um, what you can do is kind of really pigeonhole yourself if really able to have communication aspects. I'm not saying let your kids listen to thinking crazy, like Jay-Z and all this kind of stuff, all this filth garbage like in the car or whatnot. Um, but there are some artists that I think are, are creative as well. Like you don't want to have any vulgar language and all the sexual content because 
what goes into your mind, it's just going to, going to really affect you on the day in and day is out. Is all secular music from the devil? Yeah, no, I, I would say no. I think a lot of people have... Only country western. No, <laughs> no I think there's a lot of gifted and talented people out yeah, there. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I listen to music from the back in the day still. Like, I like a lot of old soul music, dude. I'm like an old soul, like yeah. 60s, 70s, 80s, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when it's going down into things that are going like I'm not listening to Two Live Crew and the Easy E like I used to, you know, like mm -hmm. like obviously those kind of lyrics and that content is it's against everything that I believe like in, in the word of God. Yeah. And so I there's a balance that you need to have. You definitely don't want the garbage, but I think it's allowing your kids to see because I think sometimes parents just say, don't listen to that and they just go all the way and not really explaining to them like mm -hmm. why. There is there is different kinds of lyrics. So when you when you read the stuff or the lyrics, you got people that are just singing about you know whatever life and whatever relationships, and stuff like relationships that, yeah. and stuff like that. And then you have then you have other ones that could be a little bit more darker lyrics. But they're when you read it, they're actually talking about stuff that they've been through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not like it's like demonic. Right. It's just they're just they're struggling. You know, a lot of stuff that people are screaming from the stage is because the struggles that they've had. Yes. In their life or their past or their divorce or, you know, who knows, or yeah. being abused or whatever. Um, and then you have then you have people that are actually pushing an agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go on social media, look at it, read the lyrics, and you can clearly see if they're what they're pushing. And um are they glorifying. And, and the other thing too is is the one thing that my parents one of the many things they did good uh when I was growing up is that they introduced me to music that was similar. Um that was relevant. It wasn't like, don't listen to that. You listen to worship. I'm like, worship? What? You know, I was yeah. listening to punk rock bands like Undercover and then, you know, New Wave was in back in the, you know, you know, 1982. So there was like Steve Taylor and different guys. And then, you know, U2, I remember U2 came out. And then there was like this band from Australia called Midnight Oil back in the day. I yep. was listening to them. But they were like, they were just singing about the environment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, they were an environmental uh, 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 band. But... Yeah, so there's good stuff out there, you know, that you can listen to. And, and now Christian music has actually evolved so much. Like, there's a lot of good bands. I mean, yeah. you had, like, you know, I'm, actually, I'm not going to plug these guys because they're not Christians anymore. But, <laughs> but, uh, but um, there's, a, there's a lot of good Christian, uh, there's a lot of good Christian music out there. So that's I, I, that. How about you, Scott? I mean. You know, I, I, I like you started talking about it. And what did Chuck always say? Garbage in, garbage out. You know? There it is. Like, yeah, because I, I, you know, my daughter, she, she's a, she's a music freak. I mean, she loves music. She has an audiographic memory. She's a musician. She is a musician and a singer, and she's really good. And she can hear a song, and automatically gets trapped in her head. But you know, if she hears a song and she'll start singing, it doesn't really know what the content is. My wife will literally sit there and go, "This is what she's singing about. Is that what you want?" And then she's like, "Oh, didn't know that." Because yes. you only catch that little kitschy part of the yeah. song. Yeah. But you're not talking about the, the the breakdown of the song. So I like what he said. Like introduce them to good stuff. There's some good old music mm -hmm. that's amazing. Like classic rock yeah. stuff's really cool. And there's a, she likes a lot of our music, you know. But uh, like I was listening to something this morning that came on on, on my Pandora this morning, and I was laughing because it just threw itself in my playlist, and it was garbage. It was absolute garbage. And it was like he said, it was glamorizing a lifestyle that uh, I don't want to be a part of anymore. You know. So yeah, I just kind of sure. like flicked it real quick and. All right. Down. That's good. Good stuff. Garbage in, garbage out. The eyes of light to the body. Uh, Christina, what does the Bible say about dating? Because oh. you are 
you are in this scenario right now. You are single and ready to mingle. <laughs> Any of you that are listening, um, I am. Uh, she's part of our ministry, so she's single, ready to mingle. So if you want to talk to her, you're yes. gonna have to go through me. Send in, <laughs> send in your resumes. Good to luck. W- Just joking. W- <laughs> um, you know, I really love um, one of my favorite pastors is um, that I listen to. I listen to a lot of different, you know, solid Bible teachers. But lately, I've been listening to Joe Foch and Pastor Ken Graves um, from Calvary Chapel, Bangor. And Pastor Ken has a really good book called Master Mission Mate. And Pastor Chuck actually endorsed this book, you know, and he just really talked about just God's design for biblical, like, dating courtship and marriage. And one of the things that he talked about, you know, is that every person, you know, they need to know who their master is. You know, you need to, you know, which is Christ, you know, what it says in Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you need to, you know, find your mission. Like, what has God called you to do? Because even like a lot of my friends, you know, like I just turned 32, but a lot of my friends, you know, even in their younger 20s, they got into relationships with someone where, you know, their person they were dating was called to be like a missionary, but then they were called to like, you know, plant a church and they just had different callings, you know? So he talks about find your mission because when you find your mission, that will help direct, you know, just your heart and you'll find someone, you'll find a mate that matches that mission basically, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for the last, you know, 14 years of, of ministry, since I was 18, you know, I've been walking in my mission. I know who my master is. And I believe that the Lord is going to bring someone that just, you know, is going to match my heart. Like I know one day that, you know, I believe I'm going to be a pastor's wife one day, you Mm -hmm. know, and be a part of a church plant. You know, it was so cool at the Calvary, you know, global conference, just talking to so many like really cool pastor's wives and Mm -hmm. and just really seeing like their hearts to just, you know, Tiana's (laughs) smiling over here. Um, You know, just like what they're doing, you know, how they disciple, how they reach people in hard places. And, So I just believe, you know, even in Pastor Ken's book, you know, he talked about, you know, biblical courtship, you know, that a lot of people, they, they date a bunch of different people, like they're trying on shoes, you know, at like a store. But I really believe that, that God, when you're doing things his way has, has one person that you were meant to give all of yourself to. Like when I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of six, I told him that I was going to go on my first date with my husband and I turned 32 and I haven't gone on my first date yet because I just believe that. God has called me to, number one, I've been serving him, but I really believe that at a young age that I wanted to give all of who I am to the person God has for me. And I believe that when you, like within courtship, right? Because the Bible doesn't talk about specifically dating, you know, Mm -hmm. it talks about like courtship for marriage, that when you enter a courtship, it's really like there's commitment there. But when people date now, it's like they date one person one night and the next night they go on a date with someone else. But the person from the night before is like, what the heck, you know? And so, but when you enter into like a courtship, there is commitment there and there's safety. Someone feels safe to be vulnerable. They feel safe to share their hearts. But a lot of dating, even in the church, is so like back and forth and people get hurt because there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown around of, well, God told me that you're my husband. And then the next girl, God told me you're my wife. God told me this, God told me that. But I believe it's so important with, and I've had this conversation with Ryan, you know, that I believe that who God has for me, that he's going to have to go through Ryan. He's going to have to have a conversation with Tom and Jairus and through the men in my life, because there's protection there. You know, there's, there's like covenant there. There is, Oh, this guy's in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that, that there's a sense of like, you know, that's just, you know, from a girl's perspective, you know, and I'm sure like Scott, you know, you have a daughter too, Mm -hmm. that we have a generation of kids that don't necessarily have 
godly parents to guide them. So I have like even some kids in my youth group, their parents just kind of a free-for-all let their kids date whoever and whatever whenever and I'm the one as a youth leader that's left to pick up the pieces every week mm-hmm. of these kids that are literally like oh I I slept with this guy and this guy and every week I'm crying with these kids and I'm praying over them because their purity isn't protected you know and so I believe that courtship I believe that kids unless you're ready to get married, you should not be dating Mm, and you should not be courting because courtship is for the purpose of marriage. And if we can protect a generation of kids and protect their hearts um, so that by the time they get to the, the, you know, the aisle where they say I do, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have given themselves away to so many people. Like I meet 14 year olds now who have had sex with like five people so far Mm -hmm. and they're so messed up. And so so gnarly. Yeah, and even I love what Pastor Ken says just about courtship and marriage because he's very just like, listen. I mean, he goes as far as to say, like, save your lips till your wedding day mm-hmm. because that kind of leads to other stuff, you know? Absolutely. And I love that there's people that he really lays it out. I feel like there's a lot of people that lay stuff out, but I love the way he lays it out because he believes in, you know, building a friendship and then courtship and then courtship for marriage, you know? And mm-hmm. so that... You know, so that's just what I believe personally, you know, biblically what the Bible says. It does not talk about like dating, quote unquote. It's like courtship. And even back in the biblical days, like courtship was really was as strong as even like I was listening to a message by him. And even Joe Foch talks about how courtship was almost stronger than like engagement because it was almost like an engagement like your promise to that person like this is for the purpose of marriage you know and so I believe that we should raise a generation of kids who who want to save themselves like my I'm sorry I'm going on a tangent but my spiritual parents I'm actually doing Thanksgiving with them this weekend they um they attend Maranatha Chapel and my spiritual dad used to be a worship leader at Calvary Costa Mesa back in the day when Papa Chuck was there and Papa Chuck did their wedding and with all of their kids they did a purity ring ceremony with their kids and they and their kids are all my age where they the parents literally told their kids like we want to walk this with you and and their daughter is like five years younger than me she hasn't gone on a date before she's like on her way to med school because they are so vigilant and wanting to protect the purity of their kids Mm. that I see them and I'm like wow your kids are more whole and more healed than most of these parents who are just letting their kids experiment Mm -hmm. even in the church you Mm. know and so that's kind of my that is I think that is well said Mm. with that next question a lot of people needed to hear that that's a good one Mm -hmm. Um, do you think it's possible that the Antichrist will come in our lifetime I, th- I think it's yeah. definitely possible. I think all the signs are there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as the world goes on more and more, we, we see what the Antichrist is going to come on the scene where there is disarray, and he's going to try to bring order, and people are going to fall prey to that. And look at the world in the last couple of years. There's been so much confusion on every level. Mm-hmm. And as you go to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 13, uh, when you look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when it kind of displays about it, that... What the Antichrist will do is that, and also in Daniel, man, it's just so crazy how many things yeah. are like connected. But just to break it down very simply, there's problems in the world when the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he's going to solve the problems. The Antichrist is going to have the ability to have, be an orator, a communicator, better than Obama, better than Kennedy, that is able to mesmerize the crowd. And they're gonna, it's not going to just be like a politician 
that says all these things through a campaign trail, but he's going to actually be able to bring the things to pass, and they're going to see it, and it's going to cause them to bow down and follow them. Um, what, what, what is he going to do? One world government, one world religion, one world monetary system. If you look at those three things, you see that there's unrest on all three of those major issues right now. So the stage is completely set. The Bible says that before the Antichrist is revealed, there will be a great apostasy as well. And I think we're seeing that on many levels sure. throughout the church and uh, hor horrible stuff. It, it, it would seem as if we are very close to that time. You know, nobody knows the day or the hour. No, you know, we believe um, in the pre-tribulation rapture where after the church is taken out of the way, the Antichrist will be revealed. And we know that nothing needs to be fulfilled other than the rapture of the church. So, yeah, I think it's very possible that we are entering into that time right now. We are seeing, I mean, we've done a lot of prophecy updates and stuff, so we don't have to get into all the, the details again, um, what we've said before. But just looking at the polls of what's happening. This is the first time in world history that we are seeing all the world governments working together so closely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Think about this. Freaky. Mm -hmm. That th they all have the same agenda. Six feet, mm -hmm. get the vaccine, mm -hmm. do this, do that. Like we're seeing literally a one world agenda mm -hmm. happening. Some states are doing a little bit more, some countries are more extreme than the others, mm -hmm. but this is literally the first time that I mean, we were blowing our minds when they were like, "Oh, the UN, all these state, all these yeah. uh, countries are coming together in like a in unison with mm -hmm. the when one with one money." Mm -hmm. Or that was like the the beginning. But now we are seeing also that in order to have like a one world government or like a one world currency, that economies have to crash. Yep. And we are seeing even with you know with with Biden's hiring that new girl from that was growing up in the Soviet Union in Russia, she's wrote several papers on on how to crash an economy and 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 break down that mm -hmm. basically like this could like break down uh, America's money. You have to crash. All the money has to be the same to have a world, one world monetary system. So, you know, and we know that uh, United States is a superpower right now as mm -hmm. far as the the dollar goes. Everything they have is to in, weaken us. Yeah. Everything's in dollar. You have to break down the. There's no. They're trying to shut down the oil. There's all these things that are happening to break that down, and then there will be a one world leader that will have influence over governments and all that. And then you're seeing that the agenda with the government that they're, pu they're pushing regulations on people. You have to have a, this vaccine passport. You can't fly. You can't do this. You can't do that. Like the government is now overreaching and that's what's going to happen when, when the antichrist comes, he's going to be able to go into all these areas, but these are the birth pains of seeing how far everyone can, what they can get away with and it's almost like it's conditioning i yeah, believe that for sure. it's conditioning it's like when you go to the airport and you have to go through the security system we used to just walk through now you go through that one that does that one and you have to stand you have to put your hands up mm -hmm. and now i remember doing that for the first time it's like i'm like am i getting arrested <laughs> yeah now i go through the airport i travel a lot and i'm like i just walk in and i'm telling me i'm just like i'm conditioned yeah yeah to do that it's a conditioning process Oh well, you know, young kids that are that are that haven't grown up, you know, that are as old as us that have seen the times change. They're like, well, yeah, the government tells you to. There's a there's a yeah. coronavirus, so you stay home. Yeah, they're gonna send you <laughs> checks, and you got to get vaccinated, and you got to do it every six months. This is the normal. This is what you do. Yeah. But for us, we're like, no, this has never happened in world history. Yeah. We've had pestilence, and we've had other different things going on, and we never like sat in our house and hid from everyone, and we received money from the government. 
this is a new thing, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, and, and when people start talking about New World Order and all that, like, like Australia, you know what? You better be awake and you better be watching what's going on. Jesus Absolutely. says you will know the signs of the times. Mm. All right? Here, next one. When a Christian dies, do they go straight into heaven or is there some sort of waiting area? Like maybe like in Catholicism, they talk yeah. about um, purgatory. Yeah. Like they get... Catholics believe that you die and you go into purgatory and then you have to have all your family and friends pray you out of purgatory so you can get to heaven. Pray you and pay you out. That's what they believe. Yeah. Pray and pay. Yeah. I wouldn't trust my family or my friends to pray and pay me out. <laughs> yeah, that is not good insurance. <laughs> Some people be worth more than others. My, my mom and my dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's two. Imagine... <laughs> Imagine growing up though, the way we, you know, yes. prior to, I'm talking about prior to being a Christian, I would not trust no. my friends or anybody <laughs> to pray me out. Uh, that would be very sketchy. Anyway, so yeah. what happens to a Christian? Well, to be, the Bible says, Paul said it is to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. That's an instantaneous thing. I, that's one of the things I look forward to. I was just sharing the other day about somebody that just recently passed. I'm like, can you think about it? They suffered. They had sickness, but their faith was totally in the Lord, you know, and they closed their eyes, breathed their last, and the next breath they took in and opened their eyes, they're in the presence of their presence of the Lord right there. He's just, he's right there to comfort you as soon as you enter in. He's like, well done, now good and faithful servant, you know, enter into the joy of the Lord. Like, you're, you're absolutely with the Lord as soon as you open your eyes. And I believe that that is completely true. So there is no independent place or in, in no, no monetary place where you wait for a time. People got that perception from that whole story in, in the Gospels of Abraham's bosom, oh, yeah. like where uh, Jesus died, and for, you know, the, for three days and three nights he, he went down to hell and, and set him loose. So they think there's a place that you can wait and then work up your, you know, people could pray you or pay you out. To, and that was something the indulgences that the Catholic priests back in the day did. Sounds like a good, good, yeah. good, good yeah. investment for good the money church. Scheme. Yeah, money makers. But no, there is no, there's no in between. It's like there's death and there's life. That's it. You die without Christ, you go to hell instantaneously. You die with Christ, you open your eyes, you're in the presence of the Lord. Done. What if you're a uh, Catholic and you're broke as a joke? You're like, well, <laughs> that one's going to go to hell then. That's it. You're going to be yeah. in the I, I guess we, I guess we lost. Uh, yeah. We loved mom, but we didn't have any money, so. <laughs> she can be down there for a minute. She, uh, she's okay down there. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's that, crazy. That, that's, that, when yeah. you really think about yeah. that. It's and so, people believed it. Yeah, it's so <laughs> important to know like that because the Bible says we have been begotten to a living hope. Mm-hmm. When Jesus, before he would go to the cross and he tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also mm-hmm. in me that I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there I, mm-hmm. you will be also. Yeah. You know, when Stephen, the first martyr of the church, when he's getting beaten and he's about to be in, God, mm-hmm. in, in the presence of the Lord, he says, I see the Lord, you know, standing mm-hmm. like and the, Father, and yeah. the Lord was receiving him. Mm-hmm. Paul yep. says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. There, there, there's a confidence that you can have as a believer that when you enter, because what, everything that we see here is temporary. It might feel like you're going to be here for eternity, especially mm-hmm. when you're like sitting in traffic in Southern California, like this is the worst <laughs> day of my life. But it can be over in one day, like Scott said. Mm-hmm. Um, the destination and your locality is determined upon what you do with Christ. Mm-hmm. For those that have called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says what Scott said, as mm-hmm. from the body, present with the Lord. And the same thing is with hell, too. Mm-hmm. A rejection of the, the love of God and the resisting of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. It's all about location, you know, where you end up. So, um, 
the next one is going to be, do you think it's possible that the Antichrist will come in? Wait, You're that's, right. I already read that mm -hmm. one. Hold on. It, this one had to do with um, things in the house. Where did it go? Oh, the idols. Yeah. yeah what what happened? See, this is why I don't teach with the iPad. <laughs> this is exactly why I don't teach with the iPad. Paul admits, okay, that's not it. Where is it? Can demon? No. It's, Man, there's oh, a lot of questions. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. This is exactly why I don't teach with the iPad. Can a demonic beings be attached to an object in the house? such as Aztec sculptures, Egyptian, and Buddhist statues. Mm. Well, we know that the Bible talks about... Uh, I mean, Kirsten, you want to answer this one? We know, I mean, we know the Bible talks about, you know, don't, don't do worship to idols, you know, because they're, they're made... Those idols are made to demons. Mm -hmm. So idols, connection to, to <clears throat> demon gods. And I know I've had uh, Steve Banchez uh, on the radio show before, and he, he came out of New Age, and 100%... Uh, he says to get rid of all that kinds of stuff. And I know, I, I know I've told people when they're dealing with demonic stuff in their house, go clean your house, get rid of anything that's connected like drugs, um, um, Harry Potter books, supernatural films, any, mm -hmm. yeah. anything Satan can attach himself to any of these objects in your house that can allow the doorway. It could be a painting. Yeah. You know, yeah. it could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely uh, clean out everything yeah. in your house and you will see there's been people that have said that there's been like like what like when they got rid of all this stuff in their house they were they were able to think clearer mm -hmm. because if you're allowing the supernatural realm in he, the, the enemy brings um demonic power in confusion unrest anxiety oppression, yeah. oppression depression um, right and that heaviness and when you clear that stuff out and you anoint your walls with oil and pray for the Holy Spirit to invade your house and push out all the darkness mm -hmm. and remove all demonic stuff, you will see there will be freedom because wherever the Lord mm -hmm. is, there is freedom. Freedom Amen. will reign in your house. Amen. Oh, yeah. yeah. So here, I'm going to give this one to you. How can demons enter people's body? Enter people's bodies. Um, yeah, so, you know, we know that our, that our bodies are vessels, right? Right. That and they're either going to be filled by one of two things: the Holy Spirit, or something else. Mm -hmm. You know, and for example, like even going back to the previous question, like I had a family member high, high up in witchcraft, right, oh, yeah. living um, at my parents' house, and you know, doing all kinds of witchcraft stuff in the house, like you know, just crazy stuff, right? Stuff that I don't even want to get into. It's just gnarly. And this family member left, and our family anointed our house, you know, cleansed it, whatever. Invited this person back in while they were still, you know, actively involved in all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I told my parents, if you, you, you told me that me and my house, you will serve the Lord, but you're bringing this family member back in who's actively doing witchcraft, who goes to the mountains every weekend and holds these seminars for people to teach them mm -hmm. whatever it is these people do, like blood animal sacrifice, the whole nine yards. Um, that's like not, you know, for the Lord. And I'm like, it will come back seven times more. Like we experienced all kinds of demonic stuff in our house. Like I experienced a lot of demonic stuff in our house. But what I experienced with this family member is that Everything they were doing, right? We would either bow down before the Lord or we will bow down before something else, you know? And so with a lot of these kids these days and a lot of people, they are we have a generation of people that are very intrigued by the supernatural. I meet a lot of young people who are just into the whole like bull things that they do, you know? They're into the crystals, like tarot cards, Ouija boards. 
And when you open yourself up to that, and if you, I mean, number one, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't even want to dabble in that because you'll recognize light from darkness. But you have a lot of kids that are intrigued by the supernatural who watch, you know, stuff like Harry Potter and which is like a, you know, watered down version of modern witchcraft, you know, who watch like um, a lot of like horror movies and who then are like, oh, that looks fun. Like, let's, you know, do tarot cards. Let's do all this stuff. And they're opening themselves up. They're opening up the vessel of their life to, you know, the demonic realm. And we've prayed over people who, like, I prayed over a girl who it took, like, eight guys, paramedics, to hold her down. And, like, literally, like, the armrests on the, like, the hospital bed were bent because this girl, she was demon-possessed, like, this little girl. Mm only because she went to a tarot card reader once yep, and then got possessed. It only takes one thing. And so it is, it's, uh, that's why I think the church, you know, during this next wave of revival, like even what, you know, what, with what your dad talks about how like him and if you, I think him and a few guys went to cast a demon out of a girl and they're getting thrown around like ragdolls. He shares that story. She was a witch that uh, sacrificed her baby in in big bear. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that we're going to have a generation of kids who unfortunately are going to need to get exercised in some way because they're all dabbling. Like everything on social media now is all about like the universe and oh, everything man. else. Weird and so, stuff, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's going to get, yep. Yeah. So that's, you basically open yourself up yeah. and believing yeah. in, it's just like believing in Christ. You believe in Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But if you believe in the supernatural and your heart is to, 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 if you just open your heart to, to the supernatural new age and all that, the door yeah. will be open. Yeah. That's it. What kind of advice would you give a teenager who got out of a sexual divine? Oh, we're actually at break. Yeah, almost. Just like that. 20 seconds. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. Um, I would encourage you guys to go to the whosoevers.com and look at what we do. We tour the nation and the world, bringing the gospel to this generation. Do your homework, research on us, and pray for us, and invite us to your state. We love you guys. Talk to you in two minutes. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Now back, back to The Ryan Reese Show. Right, let's keep this party going. We got amazing questions tonight, and we're just going to keep going from one subject, bouncing back and forth. I, I like this style. We got tons, and we're going to see how many we can get through in the next 25 minutes. So, Christina, this one is for you. What kind of advice would you give a teenager who got out of a sexual divine driven, sorry, sexual driven relationship, but has the desire to pursue a Christian rela- relationship now that they are saved? So, they were actively in a sexual encounter relationship and now they're trying to do things right, which is crazy because now they have experienced their sexual um, activities, if you will, and now they're trying to be set apart and be a Christian and not go back to that life, which is gnarly Mm -hmm. because the temptation. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest? You know, just going back to like what, you know, I shared in the previous question, you know, is that, unless you're ready to get married, right? Unless you're, you've, you have actively pursuing and you see this person as a, as a future life mate, you know, don't just date to date. I think that, you know, when you are coming out of a sexual relationship, you know, 14, 15, 16, you need to get discipled. 
you need to have, you know, and if there's someone that you are praying about that, that you believe that this could be someone God has for you, I would encourage you to have like a guy leader disciple you and a girl leader, you know, maybe a couple that could oversee both of you guys and pray with you guys through that process, you know, because if you could be friends with someone for six months without crossing boundaries, then you will be able to pursue like a healthy courting you know, relationship. And I've had friends that have done that at the age of 17, 18, you know, and they have godly relationships and they, and then they get married. But I would definitely say there needs to be a time where you are set apart for the Lord, because if you go, if you think that you're strong, like take heed lest you fall, you know what I'm saying? Like some kids are like, Oh dude, I, I messed up two months ago, but I'm good now. And I'm going to do this right. I see this happen with kids all the time. And then they fall again and again and again. But when you have the boundaries of people that are, you know, like a couple, like, you know, I saw this happen, you know, when I was in high school at Harvest, there was like youth leader couples that would kind of disciple and keep accountable, you know, like the young couples in the Lord, you know, for their purity with boundaries, with, you know, going through books together and really having like, you know, within a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, you know, like having people that are holding you guys accountable you know, pray, wait on the Lord, be friends with that person, hang out in group settings. Like it doesn't need to be like intimate one-on-one, like hanging out at the park late at night, you know, that's where all the extracurricular activities take place. Oh, yes, it does. So I would definitely say keep things in a group setting, have accountability, stay in the word, grow in the Lord, be discipled, because if you have fallen recently and you need to get back on track, you need to get discipled for an extended period of time. Because the issue isn't just the sin issue, it's a heart issue of what you need to get right before the Lord. And until that issue is right before the Lord, you will continue to fall into that same sin. Yeah. I, want, I want to hit on the discipleship. Like, why discipleship? Why do you need these people in your life? Why? Yeah. Because they're going to walk you through and answer a lot of questions that you may have. Because if you just gave your life to God and you don't know anything about the Bible and you're like, I want to do things right, which a lot of people, they just find God and they're like, okay, I love God. I'm going to break up crazy relationships and I'm just want to do what's right. There's so many questions that need to be answered Mm -hmm. that you don't know. And especially being young, there's so many things that you might think are right to do that aren't even right to do. And and this is why discipleship and having these people, they're not there to like tell you what to do and lord over you. Mm -hmm. They're there to come alongside. And it's a space where it creates a space where you can actually talk about, well, what is right before the Lord? Where do I read this in the Bible? Or is there a book or something? How can I learn more and do what's right? Because, you know, it's just like if you get a job and you don't go in and you don't ask questions, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. It's just easier to ask questions you sometimes. You never learn. Yeah. yeah, you just ask. Like, you get in there. Like, I'm a visual, like, learner. Like, show me how to fish. Don't give me a fish. Show me how to fish because I want a lot of fish. You know yeah. what I mean? So... What the discipleship is basically people showing you how to do it. You're, you're watching their lives. You're visually watching the way they're carrying themselves, the conversations they're having, and then they're speaking life into you. Just like when Sean and, and, and Scott are here at the church, they counsel people all the time. And people come in with questions, question after question, and they answer, that is true discipleship and walking it out. All right. Um, let's see. Here we go. Next. What exact? Oh wait, where's the Paul one? Okay, since Paul admits to being the chief of sinners 
and God still loved him, does this mean that we can also sin and get away with it? Mm. I like this question. I can't wait to hear what comes out of this. Well, yeah. obviously, Paul is reflecting upon his past life, you know, and what he's, what he's trying to convey in that message is like anybody can be forgiven. We have to realize that. Paul had a mission that he thought his mission was to stomp out the church, throw Christians, um, uh, women, men, children in prison for their faith. And that's pretty gnarly. You know, that's the message he wants you to, to know. Like, Paul never forget where he came from. You know, he doasn't live in the past, but he understand, like, dude, I was, I, I lived a lifestyle that was against what the Lord desired, man, and I was forgiven. Because there's a lot of people right now, maybe they've committed adultery. Maybe they've, they've committed murder. Maybe they've just lived a lifestyle where they've ripped people off and have just hurt people in so many ways. Satan has a way of making you feel like there's no way out, like your life can't fix. You're just a horrible person. And I think a lot of people believe that lie of the enemy um, so much that they don't feel like there's any way out. And Paul is using that statement to be understood, like nobody's too far from God. That's true for today. That's the mindset that the world has to realize, the church has to realize as well. And this is when it goes into the, the political realm, when it goes into musicians or actors that, like, you can't stand anything that they stand for. Hey, I agree. There's multiple people that drive me crazy. But remember, like, God can forgive them even in their most horrible, grotesque people, the people that are pushing the transgender uh, agenda, the people that are pushing horrible laws that are inf- uh, impacting our nation. Uh, all, you know the names in your heart as I'm talking about mm. politics. So it's like, but do we believe God can forgive mm. them? Do we believe that God can reach them? And the answer should be yes. And Paul's saying, I'm the chief of all sinners. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, who else can say at that time that they were throwing Christians into prison and wishing death upon their life? Mm-hmm. And for us, it should give a reflection of like, I have been forgiven. Right. The, the hope of the gospel message, Ryan, is that we can be forgiven. Right. You build up in our lives as you're given over to sin. You've been in many different relationships, you know, living sexual immoral. You, you are a drunkard. You've done a lot of stupid stuff. You go in and out of the court system. You go into prison. It beats you down, and you're carrying this burden that is just so heavy. But the gospel is this, that when God forgives you, he forgives you of all your sins. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. I like what your dad says in his altar call a lot of times. He takes your sin, he buries it in the deepest part of the ocean, and he never brings it back up again. Mm-hmm. Like, recognizing that truth is so important because when you recognize that you have been forgiven, the, 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 the slate has been wiped clean, you can move forward in your well, life. That, that's where you receive, the, that's where you understand the grace and you receive the peace. Once mm-hmm. you understand that, that's where the peace comes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people get stuck and they can't forgive themselves. Oh, that, Satan plays that movie over and over every night. Mm-hmm. When they're laying in the bed, you did this, you did this, you suck, you did it yep. back and forth. And that's the whole thing is once you understand that you have been forgiven and God's not bringing that stuff back, you move forward and you don't look backwards. Can exactly. I read this real quick? Because um, it kind of goes with what you're saying. Paul said this in Romans 6, you know, he says, shall we continue to sin that God's grace may abound? He says, certainly not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Mm-hmm. So he's saying, no, he's making the light of like, yes, I was a chief of sinners, but look what God did. He's not yeah. giving an excuse of like, I can be a sinner and God's right. going to forgive me. In the present. Well, yeah, how, he's how, not saying that. how can that even work though? Like if you have the Holy Spirit in you, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. If the Holy Spirit is holy, right? Mm-hmm. Without sin, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, how can you keep practicing sinning? Not without conviction. You, you, not without you would drive conviction. yourself crazy. Yeah. These two, if 
these two uh, forces are fighting against each other, yep. right? Mm -hmm. you, you'll drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. You, you can't, you cannot keep sinning over and over. You'll literally, if you keep sinning over and over, you're literally, you're going to drown out the Holy Spirit. It just means that you're not activating, you're not in the Word, mm -hmm. and the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit's not dominating anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've given in to sin. Mm -hmm. You can't just keep making a practice of sinning, sinning, One sinning. Has sinning. Forgive me, forgive me, God, forgive me. That's like cheap grace. That's like... You're just being a poser. You know what I mean. Exactly. You're, you're posing. You're being a hypocrite. You're being. You're being a. You're, you're a fake and a front. And you know, you may be faking the people around you, but you think the the creator of the universe he's like he's fooled. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, he really. He, yeah, he wants forgiveness, but he keeps doing the same thing yeah. over and over. You don't want forgiveness. You're just. You're just playing the part. You know. You know. Real quick before we move on, like something that Christina said, Scott said it right now too is like. Um, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Like, that is the key, right, moving forward. Like, recognizing, like, uh, what Christina said earlier is, like, you're a vessel, right? And what are you going to use your body for, the things of the Lord? Or are you going to allow the things of the enemy to come into your life? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when God starts doing a work in your life, one of the big questions that a lot of people have is, what's God's will for my life? What does God desire in my life? And they want to be like, well, he's called me to be in the mission field. He's called me to be a pastor. He's called me to be this. You know what God's will is for your life? The Bible says that you may present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable mm -hmm. to God, which is your reasonable service, that you will may find the will of God. The other thing, and it goes to the sin thing, and this is a scripture that was on my mind when Christina was speaking. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, where it says, For this is the will of God, that you your sanctification, mm -hmm. that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor. The word sanctification, very simply, it means that you were once used for the things of the world, but now you've been set apart for God's purposes. Mm -hmm. And so God's will for your life is that you may abstain from sexual immoral things that will destroy your life, living a lifestyle of sin. And you might be understand how to live out the, ve the, the vessel that God has given to you, which is your body, which is your life, and make sure that everything you do is pleasing in the Lord's sight. And Christina was talking about preparation for relationships in the future. That's all linked to this. It is setting yourself apart, allowing God to do a work in your life, not continuing living a lifestyle of sin, but really being in a place where God is leading you. You're hearing his voice so that you're not going to continue falling in the same stupid sins and have chaos in your life. Excellent. Okay. What kind of advice can a girl give to her friend that has been hurt by a guy and now is all she wants to do is sleep around to numb the pain. Refer to my book, Kill the Noise, uh, Chapter 2, Crossroads. Um, I, at that time in Chapter 2 is when I recently got out of a relationship uh, with a girl I was going to marry. Well, technically, legally, I was married to her. Mm -hmm. And the wedding didn't happen yet. And there was cheating. She cheated on me with my worst enemy. Then I thought she cheated on some other friends. She boarded a couple kids and did me dirty. Mm. And at that time, I went into like a, a, de a depression. Mm. I felt depressed, that's for sure. And I wanted to numb the pain. So what I did is I numbed the pain with changing my direction for my career. That, that, was, that helped it. But also... Um, Dr drinking and smoking and drugs would numb the pain and sleeping with girls. That's how I actually sleeping around was pretty much the main thing is just to keep sleeping with girls mm -hmm. and be, and that was to, that was supposed to fulfill me. And I'll tell you right now, 
got me nowhere fast. Mm-hmm. All it did is I kept sleeping around, kept doing drugs, kept drinking, and then the progression of those I, those things kept increasing more and more until you're totally empty. And, and if you survive that, you know, if you don't get an STD or, you know, if these girls are sleeping around, I mean, there's so much STDs. STDs actually came back. I was reading uh, some some articles that there there has been an increase in STDs and that's the the repercussion of of this or the other side effects is like one day when you get married you've slept with all these people you know and then you got to you got to think about all that and babies and who knows you're a girl you can get pregnant there's a million things that could happen here uh she needs to she needs to give her life to God, mm-hmm. go after God and let him heal that pain and that hurt mm-hmm. and show her who she is in Christ. And then she'll, you know, in return, as he works in cleaning her up as a vessel, he'll, uh, he'll bring that soulmate, you know, that purpose or that person for her mm-hmm. that, um, you know, won't, guy won't hurt her and uh, marry her. Yeah. So that's that. What exactly does the Bible mean by turning the other cheek? If someone is doing something wrong to you and you have the power to put an end to it, why would you, why would he just turn the other cheek? So if someone's doing your dirty, why would you just turn the cheek? Why don't you get revenge? Come get them. That's on, a hard one, man. Especially don't talk to me about this. I want to kill someone right now. No, I'm just joking. The Philippines you know are going to go off. I, it's, um, <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. There's some things where we have to be the bigger person. Take the high road. That's Take what they the say, right? Road. That's what they say. And it's so <laughs> it's so easy to say and so hard to do when yeah. someone's like really hurt you or yeah. they've really come against you or yeah. your family or totally. whatever. But it, that's exactly what Jesus did. And, and if we're going to be Christ-like, that's what we have to like emulate. That's what we have to try to be. Because we can, I mean, you all know, we, we all on this table could do this. We have sharp tongues that can like cut people so quick. And then you could back that up with physical altercation. But that's not the answer in the Lord anymore. And that's the hard part. So we have to be spiritual, act spiritual. And then we have to, when he's saying turn the other cheek, is he literally saying, yeah, hey, slap me over here. I've heard a couple different translations on that. One of them is like, turn away from them, get away so that you don't have that. And some says, yeah. Like when he says, you know, give him your tunic. If you ask for your tunic, give him both of them. Like, am I down there with no shirt on? Yeah. Okay. There's situations where you would do that. Like I've given my shoes to people and been, you know, without shoes. I've given my clothes to people. But he's not saying to be a chump either. I, I think God, like I've heard Chuck talk about, it, literally, he's not called us to be fools. He's caused us to be wise. Like if you know someone's going to hit you, are you going to stand there and turn your other cheek? No, but you're also not going to fight back to the point of where like it, the altercation becomes so blown out that you blow your witness and your testimony. So you have to use godly wisdom and understand. And especially in the days that we live in, and Jesus said it, you have to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Yeah. Don't put yourself in those situations. For one thing, you know, like the whole thing came up about the Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, you know, thing that just came up. There's a lot of lessons I think we get to learn on both sides of that, mm-hmm. you know, on on where we should be, where we shouldn't be, how to handle a situation, how not handle a situation. And I think that's a really good example of, of you know, uh, just taking a step back and saying, how could I have changed that situation or how could I have kind of maybe kept myself out of it per se if i had to you know it's, it's does, difficult does meek mean power under control yes y- yes meek means power under control and this text is one that's important to to know too because i think some people over time especially 
they can misinterpret it, right? Mm -hmm. So basically what it is, is it's, it's an irritation. It's mm -hmm. somebody like, you know, just pricking you, maybe being mm -hmm. irritated to you. Yeah. It's not just necessarily just somebody cold clocking yeah. you, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's somebody irritating you to a place, and that's where you got to take the high road. Mm -hmm. Balances, does the Bible speak about self-defense? It does. I mean, Jesus even told his disciples, now, go ahead, take a sword as mm -hmm. you go on to this thing. Like, mm -hmm. there is a time for, for defense, as Absolutely. Scott said. Um, and so, so people go on the like the real soft way, mm -hmm. you know. Jesus is saying like just take a punch in the yeah. mouth. That's yeah. not what he's saying. Yeah. But there are little things that some, and this happens online. Anybody get talked trash to you online? Mm -hmm. I think all of us have, right? Just people, last night. Yeah, people <laughs> inbox you to say some <laughs> I'm stuff. Sorry, I didn't mean so, that. <laughs> sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, and we're living in, in a culture around us. It's so easy to be um, offended by things. Yeah. Um, but if it, is it true? No, it's not just walk through it. Like sometimes the things that people are doing is out of ignorance. Yeah. And if you allow yourself to like just kind of go into your mind, it's going to affect you in a, in a, in a yeah. harder way. It goes back to meekness, power under control. Yep. You can go and go off on this person and let your emotions f fly or just be like, I'm good. And it's hard. It's hard to control. Mm -hmm. It's hard to control that. But um, yep. just just know who you are. <laughs> the whole thing is it all comes down to is your, your identity. Who are you in Christ? Yeah. And then as long as you know who you are in Christ, you don't have to worry about these other things, these irritants. Because mm -hmm. Satan just wants to get you off course, and he'll use people and things that are said to get you off course. <laughs> For sure. From, yeah. Are you wearing you wearing your mask? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That's one of those yeah. irritants. And even, like, I know that sometimes even in situations – some people are in like very real situations yeah. where I think the Lord allows, you know, people to go through things where sometimes he's just like, Hey, I haven't called you to like fight that battle. You yeah, know, even yeah, like last year, you know, right before we went to Montana, when my family, you know, in Ryan's book, you know, invited my abuser back into their house, you know, I just peacefully said, you know, I'm not going to be coming back. Yep. You know, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just said, if you want to house this person, you can, but I'm, I'm removing myself. And over this last year, it's just been like, you know, they, you know, because I come from a culture where if you talk about abuse and if you bring it up, you know, you're shamed because I left, I was shamed, but I pretty much just kept it very, just like chill. The Lord's just like, you know, kind of turned the other cheek in that way where I just, you know, had, you know, with, with harsh things of, you know, you've, you've left your family, you've addressed this. It's shameful. Everyone knows now. I just had a very soft answer for all of that. And it's at a point now where it's like, they know that I'm just going to have a soft answer every time because I'm just like, you know, like, I'm just not going to get involved in that rodeo, you know, like it's just because, not worth it. Because you know who you are in Christ. Yeah. And God has given you the power through the Holy Spirit to yeah. have power in, in control yeah. of the situation. You're yeah. not going to get all... Yeah, and yeah. I think in some situations, like, the Lord, because I just kept giving a gentle answer time and time again, and I didn't, like, you know, I didn't, like, throw it back in their face, and I could have many times, the Lord has given me such a grace to where now it's just kind of like, okay, Christina's living her life, mm. and we're just going to stop giving her a hard time about it, you know? And there's just kind of this peaceful thing, even in the midst of a situation where the holidays are coming up, and it's just, you know, sad in that way, but... The Lord sometimes, even in those situations with like, it could be an abusive situation, it could be with a friend, it could be with the family member, that when you have like a soft answer to someone that wants to, you know, and you take the higher road because the Lord gives you a maturity, the Lord blesses that. And because of, for me, like the Lord has blessed that and has given me such a grace 
to walk through that, even though it hurts. And I know that I'm the one that's in the wrong. Like when you get out of that victim mentality is when God places you in a place of victory and you can really walk forward and out of that yeah. and, and turning the other cheek in crazy situations, like you yeah. know? For sure. I yeah. Like that. Okay. So we're going to end it with this one. If God is a loving God, why did he create humans with an expiration date? We were just talking about that in the break. It's like, uh, th- th- that's a good question. God did not create people an expiration date. Man dad did that to himself in the Garden of Eden. Yep. We were supposed to live forever. Right. You know, and oh, so when sin came in, death entered in also. That's when that, that's when that's, we started dying. Yeah, that's when we started. The body said, started falling apart. <laughs> you're, you, if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. There he didn't mean you're going to drop dead at that second. But death would enter in, and eventually you would die, and mm-hmm. that's why we die. But we weren't. But we were supposed to be eternal with an eternal God in paradise. But because we messed that up in the garden, now we have death, and we have disease and sickness and sin and all the rest of the junk that came with it. But uh, that wasn't God's doing. That wasn't his 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 original design. That was a result of sin. And so, because we have sin, is why we have death. Mm-hmm. But He already made an allowance for that. And gave us eternal life through Jesus Christ. So he yeah. fixed so, it. So how do people get eternal life if they're listening right now? And they're like, what are you talking about? How do, how do I get mm. it? Jesus Christ. You have to give your life to Jesus as, and receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not talking about religion. We're not talking about church. We're just talking about you have to know the God who created you, who gave himself for you, who sacrificed himself for you. Ask him into your heart. Ask him to wash you by his precious blood. Fill him with your Holy Spirit. And now live a new life of renouncing your old life and walking in a newness of life to please Him until the time He comes for us. That's it. And that's where we get that word repentance. Mm-hmm. We repent means to change the direction in which you are going. So if you're going, living your life one way mm-hmm. for yourself and sinning, then you turn to God and you go in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. We've said this before. It's like uh, driving. What do you do when you're, when you're driving? You want to go the opposite direction? You flip a U-turn. Mm-hmm. Repenting means flip a U-turn, go to God, ask Him to forgive you, get a Bible, read the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, start in the New Testament, read it, the Jesus stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are the Jesus stories, how he mm-hmm. came into the earth, and how he died on the cross, and he raised from the dead. Read that, mm-hmm. and ask God to speak to you as you read through it, and he will speak to you, Amen. and he will transform you, your name will be written in the book of life, and I'm from LA, so you know that it's always awesome to go to the party, the first party's here on planet earth, but when you give your life to Christ, your name gets written in the book of life. That's the guest list. That's to the after party. And everyone knows the after parties are the best parties. VIP. That's where everybody's at. That's the VIP. Mm-hmm. So you believe in Jesus. You ask for forgiveness. He will implant the Holy Ghost. Your name gets written on the guest list, the book of life. And then you will live forever. So when you take your last breath, like we were talking about earlier, you're instantly in heaven. And that is the after party. And it's forever and ever and mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. uh, it's about it's, it's about location where you mm-hmm. end up. Mm-hmm. You have heaven or hell. And just like, uh, just like locations, just for the afterlife, going, it's all about location, location, location. Mm-hmm. You do not want to go to hell because God loves you. He wants mm-hmm. to forgive you, and he has a plan for your life. Amen. And he created us all to believe in him, and that's where we're supposed to spend eternity forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. That's the end of the show. Guys, we only have another seven questions, so we did a good job. I think everyone's going to be stoked on this uh, interview, and um, thanks for all coming on. Yeah. If any of you guys that are watching this now, we would love to come to your city. Book us. Mm-hmm. Book us at thewhosoevers.com. We will come out. We will do the Great Commission at the churches, conferences, concerts, 
boys' homes, girls' homes, schools, junior highs, colleges, you name it, we will go. That is our whole mission um, on planet Earth. And at Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar, if you want to see any of these guys speak, they are here at Calvary Chapel, uh, Calvary Chapel Diamond Bar in California. Look it up, Calvary GS, and we've got tons of uh, Bible teachings, and you can go deep in the app and hear more Bible studies and really just grow your faith because it's all about developing yourself. You mm. cannot live this life, especially in these crazy times, mm, if not. you don't have direction. And the Word of God is a lamp to our feet. It gives us our marching orders and our direction and instruction on how to live the life we are created for. I love you guys. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.